Come on down. That's great. Yeah. And uh, your husband, is he here? He's in the kids' church. So you can just go back and tell him to thank God for you. Will you do that? Wow. Can you imagine every morning getting up and she's going, wow, let's go for it. You know, I can just see it. He's going, I'm just trying to have some coffee or something. I don't know. Listen, uh, I'm much more comfortable if it's okay, and I know the lighting is always set up for the platform, but I hate platforms. And the reason for that, this is I almost kill myself on one. Um, <laughs> we were overseas in Asia, and this one church had a platform so, that, so high that if I went up to it, I could just rest my elbows on it. And I move around when I talk. I have to. And uh, I just about stepped off of that thing. And the only thing that really saved me was one of the women goes, watch out, somebody else has fallen off of that. <laughs> you know, just shouts out. You know, helps me out a little bit. So if it's okay, and, and this is good too, because I can always sit down just like you are and relax, you know, when I do that. So uh, this message that you have the outline for, and you might want to take some notes as you go along. I know that some of you like to take notes. Some of you have photographic memories, so that's great. I'm glad you do. But if you don't, you might want to take a few notes. Um, is so. This is a 20-year-old, like hundreds and hundreds of verses, uh, two or three books, uh, one that's been written, and two or three others that I just haven't gotten out yet. So there's, this is messages within messages within messages. And there's no way we're going to cover this in three parts or four parts or whatever, but I want the part that God wants for you. So um, as I have been praying and preparing for the service, um, I want to go to the part of the message that I know God has, not just for one or two of you, but for a number of you. Because is it Megan? Because as Megan shared, God wants revival. Revival never starts in a church. It starts in a heart. And it's got to start in your heart. And the fire has to be burning within you before there can be fire all around you. And so that fire has a purpose, and we're going to talk about that purpose. It's multiple, of course, but it has a purpose. So we are in this wonderful presence-driven life that God has given us in Jesus Christ. And this gift of being able to become like Him, to be conformed to His image, to go from a stump to a bear, is what we need to grab hold of this morning because it's a process. So I would like you to go to the very last slide. Let's start this like a lot of people read books at the end. And then we'll backtrack. So, um, no, let's, let's, let's go up further a little bit before this slide. That's the one. Presence-driven life. So Paul writes... 
that we're not to be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And I think that's one of the verses that you're to memorize, is it not? Or one of the beginning verses of this. And this presence of God is a face-to-face, in-your-face relationship where every time you look out, you have to look at life through Him, through His face, through His eyes, through His perception. He's saying in Isaiah, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now, the word behold is right now, wake up, now. That's what it is in the Hebrew. Hey, you, you've not been listening, you've not been noticing, you've not seen a miracle because you haven't been looking for one. You haven't seen what I'm doing around you and in you because you haven't taken notice. You haven't been focusing and fixing your eyes on Christ, who is the author and the finisher of your faith, of your faith, you haven't kept your eyes fixed on His. I know that Native Americans have this saying that when you look into a person's eyes, you can see their soul. When you look into God's eyes, you see the reflection of who you are in Him, and He sees His Son, Jesus Christ. When God looks at you, He sees Jesus. He's conforming you to His image. He's saying to you, hey tree, you know in the Old Testament, If you ever want to do a a fascinating study, look at all the trees that are talked about in the Old Testament. We are called a tree of righteousness, and every tree that he talks about has characteristics of the righteousness that he is forming within us and of the fruit that we are to bear. It's a fascinating study. Don't have time for it this morning. But here's a stump. Now, at one time, this was a sapling. Tiny little stem, fragile, could be broken off. And a heavy snow could be just crunched, but it wasn't. And over a period of years of this tree doing its own thing, this was a mighty tree. I don't know if this was the trunk of the tree or one of the branches up top or whatever, but this is an old, big tree. Takes a lot of decades to get like this, right? Well, you know, I've been through a lot in my life. I am becoming a strong tree. I suck up the substance and the nutrients around me with my roots and I reach up and I grow, and this tree has been doing its own thing for what? Decades, probably. And then somebody came along and cut it down. Just like with us. Dwayne, did you cut this down or did you buy the stuff? 
You cut it, man. That tree was just real happy where it was doing its own thing. And then Dwayne comes along with a chainsaw. And God came along with a chainsaw and cut you down. Cut you off so that the roots that you thought were nurturing you were cut away. Because the roots of your past and the soil of your hurts and the history and the experience of your trials that kept feeding the pain within you and the hurt and the illness and the resentment and the guilt and the regrets that you thought had made you stronger. I mean, after all, if it doesn't kill you, it's supposed to make you stronger. That's what they sing, but they're just plain wrong. If it doesn't kill you, you'll never get stronger. Because the purpose of Christ is to allow you to take up your cross and to die. You can't follow Him until the roots have been cut off. Until you become a piece of dead wood. And everything that is in you that's worthwhile can be summed up in three words. Image of God. You were created to be in the image of God. Go back, read the first two verses of the book of beginnings. Genesis, right? So God knows what's in you and now sees what you need to become and it all begins with this type of being in His presence. There was a moment when you were in His presence where you knew that there was no good in you. When you knew that you were powerless. I have a very, he's in heaven now, but a very dear friend, Dr. Lou Ryder, who, psychiatrist, and he says that no one ever is helped in psychiatry. He's a Christian psychiatrist, or was. He says no one is ever helped by psychiatry until they come to the realization, I am powerless. So this means that if God is omnipotent, all power. That means nothing else has any power. Do you understand that? All power, if that's all power, then there's no power anywhere else. There's no ability to change. There's no ability to grow. Every tree at some point dies. Every human being dies. Dwayne just helped this one come to its end a little quicker. And here we have it. Now, just like Dwayne, God looks at us 
and he sees in us the son or the daughter of God that we really are purposed to be. So when we get in his presence, we know that we are in the presence of all power and we have no power and we have no place to go. Hell is no place. Think about it for a moment. Hell is that place of complete separation. The only problem with being in hell is that you're aware that you're separated for eternity from the God who loved and made you. And you talk about a fire that consumes you and that you suffer with forever. What worse fire could ever be than knowing that the one who made me and loves me and wanted to be with me from the beginning of time, I'm separated from by my own choice. And I know it forever. Hell is remaining the way we are. Hell is being content and comfortable with, oh, life's just peachy. You know, it's just wonderful. I just, I just like my life. I like sitting here in the forest. The rains come and the rains come. And if you live in Michigan, they still come and come and come. I grew up in Florida. I thought we had rain. You guys. There's no rain in the forecast today. <laughs> so anyway, so here we have the image of God in here. Now, what will the power do? Will the power, and remember I said that power also births passion. And passion, the word passion, in the New Testament, refers to the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, death. The fire of God brings, first of all, He's a consuming fire. He burns away, or takes a chainsaw, and cuts away all that is not His image. All that wasn't original intent. All that wasn't according to his purpose. And you think, I'm losing everything. When everything is being given to you that you need. You're not losing anything. Oh my goodness, my bank account went to zero and my reputation and my fame went to nothing. So, it was nothing. You just didn't recognize it. But what it did was that it kept you from seeing who you really were. It kept you from seeing Him. How can you look out through all this layer of junk and even see His presence and even be in front of His face because you're blind to yourself and to him. So he's going to go to work and he's going to take his power and his fire. He baptizes you with his Holy Spirit and with fire and burns away and cuts away all that's in you and around you that keeps you from him. 
The Bible calls it flesh and the works of the flesh and sin and transgression. And all it is that the Greek word is to miss the mark or to be separated from God. Sin. Here it is. All of that stuff. And the truth of the matter is, everybody tells you around you who doesn't know Christ, wow, you're pretty impressive. Or wow, you're ugly. And we believe that others can see who we are in our worst image or our best image. But the truth is, they don't know who we are. There is only one who does. And he showed us the way to discover who we are. And it was through the cross. Through dying to ourselves. So this power and this fire comes and passion is created and death happens. And then we begin to get some idea of His desires. Purpose means the desire of God to be birthed of the Father. He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, don't misread it in the English. To give you desire is to put or give you in your heart His desire and His purpose for you. That is what it is. So when you go, oh God, you didn't give me the desire for the new whatever, whatever I wanted, whatever thing or possession or status or promotion, you didn't give me that. He's saying, well, I gave you what I wanted you to have. You were just grasping what you wanted to have. Have you noticed the way we pray sometimes? Oh God, I want... I want, I want. And by the way, just in case you missed it, I wanted you to know. Now, how in the world would we know something that God doesn't know? My favorite message by, this is a rabbit trail. My favorite message of all time was preached by the guy, uh, who was it, Judy, help me again, uh, at the Benny Hinn crusade, and he came up there and he started that. He was in Akron, Ohio, and he was an evangelist there. No, not Rod. No, no. Way before Rod. Uh, but anyway, what happened was he, he came to this Benny Hinn crusade, and, you know, Benny has his healing crusade, but he always at the very beginning has an evangelistic call that he brings a guest in to do. And so this guest came in, this old gentleman that I had, oh, Rex Humbard. Rex Humbard came, and he, and, he, and he comes, and in five minutes, tens of thousands of people went to the altar to be saved with a five-minute message. And he starts off like this. Did, how many in here believe that God knows everything? Do you believe that? God knows everything, right? Don't you believe that? He's omniscient. God knows everything. Well, there are three things Rex said God doesn't know. You know, we're always trying to tell God what we think He doesn't know. 
But there are three things he doesn't know. He doesn't know a sinner he doesn't love. And he doesn't know a sin he cannot forgive. And he doesn't know a time better than now for you to receive that forgiveness and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Isn't that a great message? See, I can just sit down and go home now. You got the message. God knows it all. He has all power. If he knows the image that we're to be created in, he knows the purpose of what we're to do. And if we are tuned into the purpose, he will give us plans. And you have all those scriptures on that handout. He gives us plans, multiple plans, even when we mess up, even when we fail. He'll give us plan number 10. He'll give us plan number 100. He'll give us, as I said last time, plan 6001 if you're Thomas Edison. If you don't quit, you can't fail. So he gives you the plans. Now, listen to this. Here's the message for this morning. Because we only have time to zero in to what you need to hear this morning. And God gave me the passage to relate to this. We're going to go to Romans 5. But as I'm praying there, he says, I want you, Larry. You need this one. And everybody else needs this one. It's Philippians 4. And in Philippians 4, in verse 12 as Paul reaches the end of his life in house arrest in Rome he is going over all the things that he is rejoicing in now he's about to be crucified upside down he is about to be um, after crucified burned as a torch he knows what's coming and he's writing to the Philippians, and, and if you ever want, if you say, well, the one, mm, the one uh, book in the Bible that I just need to create the full attitude for my life from, it would be Philippians, because Philippians is the joy book. But how you get to joy is a rough path. I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. So wherever I find myself, location in life, geographically, a long life's journey, and in all things, that means everything, by the way, in all things, I have learned both to be full and hungry, to abound and suffer need, but... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, he goes on then to say, nevertheless, you've shared in my distress. And he's talking about the contentment and the joy of having everything or nothing. But being in the same place. Because when you're a child of the living God, you have it all. You have it all. And what you think you need isn't necessarily what you don't have, but you're just not at the time that you really need it. 
because his timing is everything in life. So he's going to take you through this process. How did Paul learn this? You really don't want to know, but I'm going to tell you. And he tells us. So go to, let's go on the slides to the place where it says uh, process. Process. The process part of that. So back up. Back up a little bit more. One more slide. Plans process. Whoop, there it is. One more slide up. Okay, here we go. Not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, we're going to discover in the next few minutes how we get from a dead tree that's lifeless, powerless, and nothing, has lost everything. This tree has lost all of its branches, its leaves. If it's fruit-bearing, it's lost nuts and fruits. and all, All the potential is gone. Gone. Nothing. In ourselves, we are nothing. We've got to come to that realization. And the wonderful thing about God's presence and spirit is that just the time we think we're something, we discover the next nothing we are. You know what I mean. I'm going to show you here. So, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. It's also translated tribulations, sufferings, tribulations. The cross events in life that strip us of all of our bark and gets to the center core so that the image that is within us is seen not just by others, but by us. That we finally discover who we really are in Christ and are desperate and forever need of Him. He's got the fire. His Spirit has the power to burn away not only everything on the exterior of me so that I can see who I am, but burn away every hindrance in front of me that keeps me from going where I am to go. That can be burned away in an instant. And it looks like such a big issue, right? Have you noticed hindsight tells you how little your problems were back then? You know, just like Megan was sharing earlier, right? We had a big problem. No food in the pantry. We had saltine crackers. We had some tomato paste. We, we got that, saw my mom pray. We had nothing. But her mother went to the one who could meet the need. Her mother did not go out and stand on a street corner with a sign saying, no crackers in the pantry, need food. She didn't. Now, some people do that. I'm not quite sure what all that means, but I've understood that they've got all kinds of scams out there, you know, that they work and so forth. And I know people also have real needs. But what about this? Suffering produces perseverance. Now, here is the way we pray. And I want to help you start to pray right. 
Because do you realize that when you pray wrong, nobody's listening? Are you understanding? I mean, you're listening because you think, whoa, I'm making a real case for myself here. No, no. So, oh God, look at this problem and this attack and this persecution and my lack. And Have you ever prayed this way? You know, wanting God, look at how sick I am, whatever. Look at my tribulation. He's not looking at the tribulation. He's looking at the image inside of you. That's what he's looking at. God, have you noticed that the checkbook is empty, my strength is empty, my friends are gone, whatever it is. All of us have been in those situations of lack. Because he's, when we found him, he started taking away all the stuff that we were holding on to that we thought we needed. Because every time we come to a place of tribulation, what does tribulation focus us on? Christ, not the tribulation. Because when we fix our eyes on Him, we see, as Paul writes in Philippians, my God shall supply all of my needs. You've heard this before in Christ Jesus. The only time that we don't really remember the verse is when we're praying this prayer, Oh God! Things are really tough. Tough? We were in Belgrade, Yugoslavia. It was under the reign of Milosevic. He was convicted by the world court of being a horrific enemy of mankind. Killer. The church that was there had been wonderfully blessed of God, but only by persecution. The founder of the church, Andrew, they tried to drown him in the river that went through the area. When the church was being built, it was burned, it was ransacked, it was egged, it was everything. Um, remember, he is a Pentecostal pastor in a communist country. Everybody wanted to kill him. Everybody wanted to take the money. It got so bad that his son, Boban, goes to Sweden to work in a Volvo factory, just like many, many Serbs came to this country to work in the auto industry. He survived. He met Ann Kristen, this Swedish lady. When things got better in Yugoslavia, now that's a relative term, he went back to take up his father's work. We asked Ann Kristen one time about her understanding of the Christian life. And she simply said, life is hard and then you die. Now there's two meanings to that. One is physical existence, you know, going through life is a hard journey and then you die. She could have said, Christian life is hard, and when you die, you discover real life. You see what I'm saying here? When all of this gets cut away by fire or a chainsaw, then you come over here to the image of God that's within you, 
And that image only He knows. And when you look at yourself in the mirror, you never see yourself because self has died. For I am crucified with Christ. I is self. Nevertheless, I live. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So when you look in the mirror and see yourself, you see Christ. And when that happens, you go, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're becoming this through this process. So, suffering and tribulation produces patience. Do you know how long this bear had to wait to find out who he was? And how much he had to go through? <coughs> Decades of growing in the forest. Then a conversion moment when he's cut down and realizes that nothing that he was is going to be anything about who he's to become. Are we okay so far? Remember the moment? Now, listen, the Lord gives us abundance of all things, including tribulations. Because the problem is we need it to be shaped. Do you know how many cuts... Uh, just give me a, a, a wild guess, Dwayne, of how many cuts you had to do with the chainsaw for this to finally become that. Tens of thousands. Ten, it had to be tens of thousands of cuts. Little ones, big ones, whatever, right? How long did it take? Was it long? It was a real long time. And that was just to get from this part, after decades, right, to get to this part. Hey, God, I'm running out of time. And he just smiles. Did, did you notice the deadline? Were you paying any attention to the calendar? Have you noticed how long I have suffered God is not listening. He is on a mission to go from here to here. Dwayne didn't listen to the stump. He wasn't even listening to the bear inside that was waiting to be set free. He had his own plan, his own way, his own direction. And besides the fact he has eternity, why would he be time sensitive? He's not. So whenever you're in the midst of the tribulation, there's only one place to look to him. There's only one way to get through. It's him. So when you're going through, you cry out, not I need this, I need that, or whatever. I need you. Your face, David cries out in the Psalms. I need to see your face. 
That's what we need. And as you do that, you will notice that perseverance, the, the best maybe English word here, because there is so many English words that could fit in this, it could be patience. Anybody in here suffer from the dilemma in your life of impatience? Just raise your hand. It's time of confession. Yeah, yeah. And if you didn't raise your hand, maybe you suffer from lying. I don't know. But, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Impatient. Why has it taken revival for so long to come to Montrose? Oh, it's already here. Excuse me. It's already here. It's burning all over the place in here. Why has it taken so long for the revival that's in here to get over to there? Well, I am the problem. A lot of it's me. I'm the hindrance. Nobody's seeing the true image of Christ in me. They're still seeing the old stuff that I'm holding on to. Are you getting it? So that when you walk into any place that you are and you're meeting anyone that you have, at the end of that encounter, they should have had a God experience because you were there. But if they all, all they heard about was, oh, this is a tough time. All they remember is your tough time. They didn't see God at that point. So look at this, perseverance. Say the word endurance. endurance. Say this. Now this, this is, a, I'm, a, a psych, I'm trained in psychology, so we have to re-script your subconscious because your subconscious drives 90% of all your actions, feelings, and thoughts. In fact, seven to nine seconds before you do the next thing that you're going to do, your subconscious is telling you where to go. And let me tell you something. The greatest roots of your problems is in your subconscious. The most horrific battlefield you'll ever be on is right here. This is the, the mind's the battlefield, right? So what we have to do is have the attitude of Christ, Paul writes in Philippians 2. So what's forming? He's renewing your mind as you go through tribulations. And it takes time to re-script your computer. I don't know why it is, but when I restart my computer, I have all of these sub-programs that are trying to boot up when it restarts. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That I'm sitting there going, okay, come on, I, you know, come on, reset, you know, reboot, whatever. When, can you imagine this computer? God trying to renew or reboot this to the original. Hey, I want a blank disk here so I can now write the truth in place of your myths and lies. Because we keep lying to ourselves. Our mind loves to lie to itself. The greatest problem and distraction from focusing on Christ is your mind. Have you ever tried to pray in silence, meditate in silence, memorize the scriptures, you know, and put every other thought out, right? Be still and know that I'm my God. Mind, shut up. Because you're sitting there trying to fix your eyes on Christ, and your mind says, I think, therefore I am. I must think, I must think, I must think. Shut up, brain. 
The subscripts, unless they have been reprogrammed by the truth of God, have to die, have to get erased, have to go. And even now, those of you who have walked with him for decades still have this issue, don't you? There it goes again. I'm thinking about this again. So, tribulation or suffering produces perseverance, and that produces character. And what is that character? The fruit of the Spirit, the character of Jesus Christ. And the character of Christ produces hope. The only hope in all of life. Christ is our hope. Our hope is found in nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's the real hope. That's the hope we hold on to. And so that hope does not disappoint us. We don't live in disappointment because we didn't get what we wanted. We don't live in disappointment because we aren't the tree we work so hard to become. We live in the hope that when His image is created within us to His Christ, the hope of glory, right? To the hope of glory that's in us, we are radiant. Look at those Christians in Belgrade. They're still there. They're still a bright light in the midst of all the persecution, all the thievery of the government. Holy Pentecostal Trinity Church is still there, still shining for Christ. And they don't have any money. They don't have a government that cares about them. They've got nothing in this world and everything. So as we move to the end, here's what I'd like us to do. I know you're going to have a wonderful chorus for us to worship and pray to. And as the worship team is singing, I know that there are intercessors, right? And altar workers. What do you call them here? I don't know your... The prayer team! Hey, hey, how, is that simple or what? So that I want to ask the prayer team to come up here. And you are going to come forward if you want to refocus away from the tribulation, away from the issues, away from the stuff that hinders you from becoming who you are in Christ. And you are going to ask this person to help you do that first thing up there. Rejoice. Rejoice. For this is the will of God to pray without ceasing. You know, Thessalonians 5. To pray without ceasing. To be thankful in all things. And to rejoice at all times. 
So when you leave here this morning, no, not just will the burdens be lifted, the joy will return. Because some of you this morning came here pretty empty. And it isn't the Holy Spirit that you need because He's already in you. And it isn't a word of truth because you've been having the word of truth. Pastor Tim's been pouring that into you. You know what you need? You need your joy back. You need to stop focusing on the tribulation and the pain and the suffering and the difficulty and the lack. I mean, hey, listen. Good news, it'll always be there. You know, you go from one thing to another, right? If it ain't one thing, it's your mother. No, that's what my... <laughs> I had a friend that would say that all the time. If it's not, what they get your mother? No, no. But you know what I'm saying here. You got to get your joy back. So what are you praying for? Not the removal of the suffering and the tribulation. You're not pay- praying for more perseverance because you're going to have to have it whether you want it or not. You're going to have to go through this whether you want to or not. And the character of Christ is already in you. You are going from here to here. And that you can Rejoice in. Stand up right where you are. I'm going to pray over you and dismiss, and the worship team will just give some worship background. Uh, Altar workers, would you come forward? And you just stay and worship and pray at your seat or come and have someone pray for you and with you. We have some more. Of course, I'll be here too. Will you, uh, as soon as I uh, am finished, be sure you turn off my mic, will you? Because I'm going to pray with people as well. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ that shows us that the only way through our trials and tribulations is the process your presence has set before us. And that process is to create perseverance and the character of Christ in us and give us hope so that we will continually, without ceasing, without ever altering from the course of rejoicing in Christ Jesus, the hope of glory. We declare, Heavenly Father, that we are not disappointed, but we are excited. That we are not a dull flicker. That we're a blazing flame. We declare, Jesus Christ, that we have all things in You. That we can do all things through Your strength that comes through us. And so, Father God, take our distraction. Take our sideway looks. And help us to focus and fix our eyes on Jesus Christ who is forming us and transforming us into His nature by His power and presence. And so, Father God, as we worship You, visit us anew with Your Spirit and Your fire. Father God, as those are being prayed for all around us, grant, Father God, that the joy will be will completely return as they focus on Christ. And Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, for all of us this week, as we go forth as a blessing into our families and this community, into the workplace, with our neighbors, may they see the joy of the Lord is our strength. In His precious name we pray this. God bless each and every one of you. Amen.